superheroes, supervillains, and super movies. But there has never been anything like karate and kung fu. <laughs> Bruce Lee, he's the man with the fists of fury. Karate and Kung Fu, the new screen excitement you've been waiting for. Introducing the incredible heroics of Bruce Lee. Every limb of his body is a lethal weapon against an army of men, the most sensual of women, and the most savage of beasts. Explosive combination that gives you the biggest kick of your life. Fists of Fury. I head into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. Door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Once again, everyone, it is Spoiler Room. Thank you for joining us, coming down the stairs, pulling up a chair, and popping, well, in this case, I'm twisting the cap off uh, of my favorite drink, and joining us tonight as we discuss movie spoilers and closing out our one night in Bangkok with, yes, a movie I know that doesn't actually take place in Bangkok. It takes place in a town outside of Bangkok, but 12 days of the shooting footage was done in Bangkok for all of you technical folks out there who uh, want to jump on me for that, which if you do want to jump on me, that's fine. Buy me dinner first. But anyway, that's beside <laughs> the point. <laughs> Here we are once again, my friends. And I tonight I have a couple of friends with me to discuss the big boss. Yes, the big boss from 1971. <laughs> And with me tonight, first off, he's back with us again. Uh, he's starting to become a regular here. We are welcoming back Mr. Michael Viers. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. There was a period of time where I was pretty consistently coming on, and then I just kind of fell off, and now I'm trying to make up, make it up to y'all again and start coming on again. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being here, sir, to talk this fun, early, early Bruce Lee film which yeah. I, i'm gonna be very interested to hear uh, your thoughts on this and with us as well the man who keeps coming back for more as well is none other than mr ian simmons how are you doing ian i'm doing great um the big boss is fun uh even with that ending yeah, wow just gonna go straight <laughs> wow, into he, just, he just he just 
cut right to the chase there. Fine, give the synopsis, Ian, of The Big Boss. Hey, hey, I didn't sign up for this. No, that's what you no. get for, for jumping on that. That's fine, that's fine. I, I jumped on the uh, the synopsis grenade. I'm just gonna I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna go to IMDb and see how accurate this is. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> I, I checked. It's 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 bare bones, but it's the story. It is. It is. <laughs> it is the story. A young man, sworn to an oath of nonviolence, works with his cousins in an ice factory, where they mysteriously begin to disappear. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it almost it's sounds the movie. Well, I was going to say, it almost sounds like the young man also starts to disappear. Right. <laughs> like everyone's like back to the future. Well, it's not wrong, go. because at one point, one of the one of the characters is just the who we believe to be the lead character just kind of disappears. And Bruce Lee becomes the lead. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I love that. Um, yeah, man, this movie was nuts. This is the second Bruce Lee film I've ever seen. Ooh. And it's this, and I'd only I'd seen the first one, Enter the Dragon, like two months ago. So Ooh. yeah, I'd never experienced the the oh, we're gonna majesty make and magic of Bruce Lee. <laughs> oh, so good, <laughs> so much fun. Yes, nineteen seventy one is this film came out, and then it was re released in the U.S. I believe under Fists of Fury, but do not confuse it with the other movie, Fist of fury which <laughs> he also plays a character named uh chang uh i think it's meant to be a sequel to fists of fury which is what we're talking about the big boss i'm it's hard to say with those u.s releases uh <laughs> who knows Do, does the other does the sequel also involve involve like smuggling dope in blocks of ice because it'd be really weird if we ended up talking about like both movies tonight inadvertently <laughs> no no the other one is about chang uh, uh bruce lee plays the character chang who goes to marry a sweetheart and his master is killed apparently and so then he goes on a uh a thing of revenge i believe it's been a long time since i've seen fists of fury i can honestly yeah. say unfortunately though, i've not actually seen the big boss which was why i was excited no, this, to... this is a first watch for me too like I've seen some of his other movies. I've seen Game of Death. I've seen Way of the Dragon. I've seen Enter the Dragon. Uh, but it was this and Fist of Fury that I've not seen yet. Yeah. So I I, I had not seen this one. Uh, this is uh, not his first film, but I think this was the f one of the first ones where they introduced him to the uh, to the U.S. I think it might. So um, I think how it works, it, it's not Bruce Lee's first film, right. but it might be the first Bruce Lee film. If that makes oh, sense, yeah, he, right. Because he, he, he was he was, he was a yep. he was a child actor, right? But he went under a different name. He was in like thirty or forty movies before this, right? Wow, but yeah, he, he's been, I, he was I didn't know he was, he was a kid. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then he went to the United States, um, was trying to make a name for himself there. Uh, came up with then, the idea for the TV show Kung Fu. They ripped it off. He was in, uh, and they did it without him. He was in the Green Hornet. Uh, and he came when he came back home to China uh, to help his mom, I think, like move to the United States. He was he, he was like a big star. He's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> but he was the he was the local boy that was on American TV. So. Yeah, he uh, so this is this is an interesting movie because, yeah, this was I think you're right. The one where the, the first one where his name is the biggest one on the market, where he's the headliner, yeah, basically on it. And uh, 
yeah what's your impression of this uh mike since this was your first uh, view what, what your initial feelings with it that will we'll dive deeper into oh it. i'm torn i'm torn because i there the things that i really liked about this movie i really liked but it was i just kind of felt middle of the road on it through through a good portion of the film um but then that last like 20 to 30 minutes completely just won me over yeah um uh, that's that's the best way I can I can describe how I felt, and part of it might have been, because uh, I watched the the dubbed version, and I, yeah, that's what I, I yeah. and I watched a lot of kung fu movies growing up with the dubbed versions, mm-hmm. um, but just out of curiosity, I went back in a couple scenes and rewatched them with the subtitle version, and and it's a completely different movie. Is it really? Um, <laughs> the music is completely different, mm-hmm. equally weird but different um and there's just more subtlety to it and just being able to hear bruce lee actually act and not what sounds like the cast of the brady bunch doing it for him (laughs) um i feel like i feel like i felt kind of middle of the road about it in the on on my on my first watch Mm -hmm. but i feel like i'm gonna at some point rewatch it with the subtitle version and i think it i'm gonna enjoy it a lot more Mm -hmm. um yeah, and then I just like, um, like, I just I have I have thoughts about things that were done in this movie. Uh, it, I, I talked about it earlier about like you know the the lead character change, which was mm-hmm. done intentionally, um, and and things like that. But I feel like some of the things that weren't working for me were, I think, me reacting poorly to a poor dub. Yeah, it it could be. It could very well be. Um, yeah, I tried to find online, but the streaming, the only copy that I could find on streaming, uh, offhand was the, uh, Amazon one, yeah. which was dubbed and I think freebie or whatever, Tubi had it, but it's, it was the same version. It was, it yeah, was a yeah. dubbed and, version. And, um, and I the really criteria, like the criterion version has mm-hmm. like the original Cantonese language. Track. Oh, nice. Just, um, yeah. like, so I was watching with my wife and she was drawing, so she wanted to be able to focus like right. watch, you listen to the movie while drawing so i was like yeah i'll watch it dubbed you know sure. i've watched a lot of kung fu movies dubbed yeah <laughs> i've watched i've watched uh, some anime dubbed and let me tell you uh sometimes the dubbing and then you have the subtitles which would not match the dubbing at all <laughs> which makes you wonder what is this about uh, uh <laughs> there's been some animes like that so the dubbing with this it, it made me wonder you know how different it was versus the original because i do try to watch it uh with the original and then subtitles as well because you tend to get more at least you get the performances uh but you also seem to get more of the accurate story versus whatever they translated, especially these early ones. Cause these early ones, they just, you know, they just grabbed the distributor, just grabbed whatever it goes. Hey, you want to play as Bruce Lee? What? You know, I'll pay you for three days work. Okay. And here yeah. we need. <laughs> yeah. And now like dubbing, they, they take more care into yeah. because there's, you know, mm-hmm. same thing with anime. Like there's big money in, in it now. Being accurate um, for sure. And yeah. Being accurate and getting better performers and shit. But like once upon a time, they didn't care. Just fuck, get it out into theaters. No, that's why I love the dub version. I think it's the only version out there. There might be others. I've got two or three different DVD copies of Return to the 36th Chamber, one of my all time favorite of all time uh, martial arts films. And at the end, spoiler room, folks, very old film. Check it out, though. At the end, as he's fighting the main boss in that movie, he goes, uh, he, he starts fighting the guy and he starts telling him how much of his uh, skill he's using to fight the boss. So he's first like, 
oh, I'll use 30%. And then the guy talks just like that, whoever they have the dubbing, and they go, and now I'll use 50%. And, you know, they fight for a while that. And then he goes, and now the full 90%. And I'm... It's it's a beautiful <laughs> dub and I I love it and I've used that line uh, so many times throughout my life. <laughs> I've used that in my life so many times. I just go, and now the full ninety percent because I'm sitting here going, I'm the dude in the booth, you know, recording. And <laughs> I'm like, wait, did you, did you not think you know? So watching no, the dub, he was too yeah. busy sitting there counting his money. Yeah, so it's watching the <laughs> dub of the Big Boss. I figured it was going to be altered a little bit, but there's also some editing cuts which we we'll get into a little while that made me like, wait, where'd that character go? Uh, but first, Ian, I want to get your initial feelings from uh, this first watch of the Big Boss. I mean, I loved it. I. Yeah. I bought it. I mean, the the thing is, like on Amazon, it was one of those things where you can rent it for four dollars or you can, or you buy, can buy it for, it for five. five. I'm like, might as well. That's what I did. Right. Yeah, that's what I did too. I did the exact same thing. I was like, I'll buy it. Well, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm I I really am glad that I did because I like I think I like this movie. I've only seen it once. I only saw Enter the Dragon once, but I think I like this movie better than I like Enter the Dragon. I love Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the simplicity of this. I like mm-hmm. the, the fact that, particularly in those last 20 minutes that you were mentioning, Michael, uh, and it made me think back to the rest of the film. This is a horror movie. Yeah. It's a horror yeah. martial arts movie down to the score, which like it opens with a really bombastic score, but then as it kind of trails off and the movie starts, it gets really kind of sinister and dark. Mm-hmm. A lot of the shots were following the characters particularly towards the end it mm-hmm. looks like friday the 13th part three <laughs> down to the barn down to like the way that we're yeah. stalking certain characters as they're moving through the environment mm-hmm. down to again yeah. this is a spoiler you've got a character walking into these different houses that look kind of like cabins and just finding piles of people who've been horribly murdered Including um, a kid, gory movie. Including was... a kid, yeah. I was not. Per- I, I thought this was going to be more in the vein of Enter the Dragon, mm-hmm. you know. Except it's going to take place in this kind of a small village rather than a remote like fantasy island or whatever of assassins. But I mean, there's tons of nudity and like hardcore like violence and you know some really grisly stuff here. And it was a great surprise. But on top of that, yeah, I, I understand the dubbing and stuff, and I. Yes, it's always nice to be able to get the original language mm-hmm. and the original interpretation. I don't know that the movie is that deep no, that you're going to get like, oh, this is a dramatic <laughs> change in the story. But by the time the movie was over, I'd kind of compartmentalized the dubbing because I was so wrapped up in Bruce Lee's performance because he's such an expressive mm-hmm. actor, not just when he's you know, flipping around and, you know, posing, but, you know, he's just. I mean, Jesus, I wish that guy and he and Brandon Lee, I, if they had been just father and son duo living for the next you know, 50 years, I think they would add some really, really magical movies. Uh, oh, you know, in I, the future. I completely agree. And one thing I will say is, like I said, it, it, there, there was parts in the middle that was just kind of losing me. And I don't necessarily expect, you know, to watch the subtitle version and it's going to like drastically change the story. I just... Um, what I was missing is, like you said, even even with a bad dub, Bruce Lee, there's something about him in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he's doing something subtle, 
the cast of the Brady Bunch is going <laughs> up to like, you know, they're using full 90 percent in their performance. And I was like, I just I like when he's when he's doing these subtle things, I want the movie to be subtle. Um, right. But I will say like those last 20 minutes and uh, and even that ending, like after the movie finished, was like, fuck, I kind of want to rewatch this. <laughs> There's just something about this movie that even though like said parts of it weren't working, and when I say middle I'm middle of the road, it's more so because I'm trying to process how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't dislike yeah. the movie. I'm just trying to like wrap my mind around what I had just seen because it's simultaneously a very Bruce Lee movie and also not a very Bruce Lee movie. Well, I mean, it's yeah. I'm gonna keep harping on that slasher thing because I, I understand. That's an interesting I, perspective, Ian. Well, I think, well, thank you. But I think the next time I watch it, because I know it's, first of all, it's an hour and 40 minutes, which I think is probably 10 minutes too long because it was kind of intimidating in that middle section where characters are disappearing and there's a lot of conversations. You're like, yes, I get it. Now this is the next group that's going to go up and try Mm -hmm. and like find out what's going to go on and they're going to be dispatched or whatever. That is also very slasher movie. Because uh, people are always you know, pairing off and like, oh, we're going to go investigate that spooky noise. Except in this movie, <laughs> it's no, we're going to go and talk to the foreman or the manager who's going to talk to the big boss because we think something fishy is, is going on. Um, but yeah, it there is it does get a little bit repetitive in the middle. And I'm sorry, as much as I love the Chen character in this movie and, and Bruce Lee, th- I do wonder exactly and i know there is a catalyst for it but his whole thing is like his uncle or whoever dropped him off in the village is like no remember you got to have your oath to not fight anybody you know you're gonna be you know mr passive resistance or whatever but he watches people get like horribly beaten up and nearly killed <laughs> right in front of yeah. him i know he until... watched his like female cousin getting assaulted he looks at his neck he's like ah, i can't do it yeah <laughs> right that, that circular jade necklace and it's not until the necklace gets like I think inadvertently taken off of yeah. him and then snapped in two during a fight is like, Oh, you've unleashed the beast. I'm like, yeah, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for jumping in now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of standing there and the workers getting their ass kicked and his cousins are, are and he's like, ah, ah. and then someone came up to him and he's like, no, but yeah, then they pulled the, he, he did let it slip once. He tried, he, he helped his buddy once and his uh, uncle who just disappeared. I loved it. It's like, folks, Hollywood isn't the only people who just suddenly a character will drop out and draw draw a line of, of you had their uncle who, who like uh, you were saying before, Ian, uh, was going to go into and, you know, put a, he put up a little bit of a fight or what, a, a protest to how his his boys were being treated. And you don't really see him for a while. But everybody still acts like he's around. It, nobody really talks about it. And then, like, you know, five minutes later, after he hasn't been on screen for, like, five or ten minutes, they're like, oh, well, Uncle Cho's gone. And I'm like, oh, now you notice. <laughs> I'm like, where, where the heck have you guys been? <laughs> you know, he's he's been gone for a while. And it, <laughs> Well, there there were like seven people living in this house, so it's a lot to keep track. At of. least, well, at I least think like seven, seven adults. Yeah, there, there's like the little kid, and then and Chow May. And I hate to say it, but like every time they said her name, I I kept inserting Chow Main. Yeah, um, <laughs> me and my wife had to go look it up because it's like we're like, is this the character's name, or did they 
the American dub people choose this. Right. And we looked it up and it's like, oh, it's chow mein. Okay. That makes yeah. it better, at least. I mean, she was a saucy dish, but no, that's <laughs> not her name. <laughs> oh, and she's such an like, oh, her 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 relationship with Bruce Lee's character in this movie is very strange. Um my my favorite part between the two of them is after he saves her, like or Saves her just by being there, I guess. Yeah. Down by the by down by the like the the river or when she's cleaning her clothes, and then like she you know she runs into his arms and they're just standing there, and then they just kind of like pull apart and be like, they're just like looking around like, <laughs> like we shouldn't have done that. It was the funniest thing. I don't know what they're what they're going for there, but it just felt very much like the Brady Bunch movie. I keep bringing up the Brady Bunch, uh, and like Greg and Marsha not supposed to be like into each other, like that storyline in the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> See, I interpreted it as that, like, at that point in the screenplay, they were related, and then, like, later they changed it to be a love interest. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, they just like, they just never went back and fixed it. When Bruce Lee's yeah, character gets drunk, he, when he gets drunk, he starts picturing his cousin. Yeah, he pictures his cousin over the <laughs> the the escort that the boss man got him because, uh, eventually, to kind of uh, uh, calm uh, Chang down, Bruce Lee's character the manager makes him the foreman <laughs> he's like oh he comes to him to protest he's like you know what you're the foreman now there you go and you know it's like oh okay and then they invite him to dinner and then yeah the, the boss uh the manager brings in the escorts and he pictures he he apparently doesn't drink until tonight until this dinner to where he drinks to where then he's he's like breaking like a bundle of like 10 bamboo shoots or whatever. They got these, these bamboo shoots. He's like, hold still. Whack. And I'm just looking at that going, man, you know, I don't want to be around if Bruce was drunk because <laughs> I, you, you tick him off or something. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you've got a fist through your chest. Cause he, he's like, so Ian, you mentioned how this movie kind of reminded you of a, of a, a slasher film for me yeah. as I was watching it. Uh, it reminded me of the Kung Fu version of Norma Ray. Because <laughs> I just watched that movie for my, for my podcast. And Norma Ray, for those of you who haven't seen it, is about uh, uh, a woman who works in deplorable conditions in a textile factory who gets who gets a group of people together to create a union. And it, and it reminded me so much of that. Granted, he, Bruce Lee's character didn't create a union, but like there's the whole like workers revolting. Uh, they even have the sub like the subplot of uh in norma ray when she's uh uh complaining too much they may they they give her a promotion <laughs> it's like oh they do the same thing to bruce lee in this movie this is the kung fu norma ray <laughs> <laughs> the kung fu norma ray whatever the next home video release is of this they need to have your quote on the box this is the kung, kung fu, fu norma, norma ray, ray. <laughs> But no, um, oh god, that'd be I could I could retire happy at that point. <laughs> the Norma Ray when, of Kung Fu films wasn't uh, was Norma Ray later in the seventies? Yeah, it was like seventy. Yeah, yeah. That was, was that uh, based on? I can't remember. Was that based on a true story? Or was that just uh, a, yes? Yeah. It's based loosely on the story of Crystal Lee Sutton, who uh, um, who helped create a union in a, in a small Texas town. Yeah, that was. So I, wonder, I wonder if they were, someone was inspired. They had watched uh, the Big Boss and thought, "Man, this is amazing!" Wait, <laughs> there's a true story version. Let's make a movie. And then... Martin, Martin Ritz sitting around, like, "Man, I want. What do I follow up HUD with? Oh, let's do. Let's let's do the female Big Boss." With no <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> now I want to see Fe- Sa- I want to see Sally Field do some martial arts though. That's what I want to see because that's who it was, right? Who played Normandy, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that, yeah. Uh, man, I want to see her do some serious martial arts. <laughs> she be like, hey, 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 <laughs> the flying nunchucks. Oh, oh. Anyway, right. oh. Nunch- now I want to see that. Oh, that's a that's a that's a deep poll that not everyone that's in this uh, cut, actually, yeah. not everyone in this audience is going to get. But I love that. I love that too. <laughs> what what I love is uh, too is if you notice, so you could tell who the bad guys were versus your workers. Your workers either could not button their shirt, or they wore like. The, the hottest ice factory ever. <laughs> well, it, it, or they wore kind of like uh, uh, those uh, uh, specific garments. I don't know if they were like meant to be peasant clothes or or what, but you know the button down, the the traditional kind of. Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the I forgot the name of it. I do apologize, everyone. But they, their garb is all the same, especially when he go when they go see the boss versus the boss, and as all his thugs are dressed like westerners. So they got blue jeans. They got super. I mean, like the fly collar, the 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 collar on the one uh, son. His shirt at one point he, he looked like he could take off. Because the thing was like this big around his butt, mm. you know. But they're in jeans. They're they're dressed uh, more like Westerners a bit, whereas the uh, the workers were dressed more. I think you know it, it felt more uh, not as flamboyant in dress. They were they were because they were you know a, a different class than uh, the manager and that and the drug runners who were who were super rich. Um, and I just thought it was interesting that they even had that in the wardrobe, so you knew who was the bad guy and who were the good guys. Yeah, I mean, there were the yeah the the clothes are its own character in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the son he spent half the movie I feel like wearing this like really crazy pink shirt and white pants. It was like pre Miami Vice or something by about a decade <laughs> and a half. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was. Perfect. Well, all of them, all the all the thugs, all all the the. The uh, foot soldiers for the the big boss uh, all wore like pastel colors and that they all wore like bright colors and that. But even the street gang who first meets up with Chang, I mean, guy is literally from town. He comes to this village. They go visit uh, this uh, stand to get some shaved ice, and these gangster guy, the, the, the this gang of guys come up. And start harassing her. And even them, they're dressed totally different than Chang and his uncle and and, and then their buddy because they, they end up stealing um was it uh rice patty uh rice balls rice balls uh from the kid who uh will end up spoiler later dead. Oh. Um yeah. Uh and so then uh Chang's cousin shows up, like you said, Ian, the guy who you think is gonna be the main character. And he starts cleaning house with the three. <laughs> He's just like, and yeah, then... that's uh, that's Sue. Sue, yeah. Um, and you, you know, it's what I love about this movie is, yeah, the the guy that you think is going to be the the star. He's he's about I think as charismatic and someone that I want to watch on screen as Bruce Lee and I thought that was going to be pretty hard to do but when he's dispatched I was like oh I really felt it like especially because he goes out in a pretty 
you know, heroic and dramatic fashion, you know, him and one of his, I think one of the other cousins fighting like 16 guys yeah. inside the big boss's compound. And they, you know, the bad guys cheat, of course, because they're bringing all these heavy weapons and these guys just have their, you know, their martial arts skills. But yeah, I really felt that when, when he left, I believe that Cheng felt his absence. Um, so yeah, this movie has two like brilliant, like star wattage leads uh, and it only one of whom makes it to and, the end and oh my god what happens to him at the end yeah it's so it, it's a bummer there there was there so there's a, a story behind that if you're interested yeah so yes james tian who played uh bruce lee's cousin i'm trying to think of i don't remember his character name anymore sue sue okay yeah. mm-hmm. um there's a boy named sue yeah he was a legitimate star in hong kong mm-hmm. cinema at the time um and Bruce Lee came into this film. So they are already going to make this movie. Uh, so they didn't develop this for Bruce Lee. Um, They're already going to do this movie. And they, and they knew that Bruce Lee was a kind of a big star or becoming a big star in the United States. Like, well, let's put him in this movie too. But they weren't too sure how he was going to do in this movie. So they had this idea that pretty much they knew they were going to kill off one of the characters in this movie. And whoever was had the best screen presence was going to be who was going to end up being the character. So they they didn't know who they were going to kill off in this movie. Um, wow. And I know Bruce Lee was pissing off a lot of the crew members, or a lot of the, the, the people in charge because in Hong Kong cinema, the, the fight scenes all kind of root are rooted from like the Chinese um, from the Chinese ballet. And that's kind of like where they're the, the root of their martial arts in terms of storytelling comes from. Um, and you know, that's why, like, especially if you notice the fight scenes change as the movie mm-hmm. goes on and at the beginning, they're kind of long and they're drawn out and they're a little more showy. And then once Bruce Lee becomes the character, it's, you know, main character, they're over a lot faster. Um, and everyone was pissed off at Bruce Lee because he doesn't do that type of flowy, longer fight scenes. He wants to get his stuff over fast because it's more in his, it's more realistic. Right. Um, so, uh, but the, the producer of this film wanted Bruce Lee so much that they actually fired the first director <laughs> um, <laughs> because he was fighting them so bad. Um, and so that's actually when Bruce Lee takes over, the, the style of the fight scenes change. Um, so at, at any point, if Bruce Lee would have just been a, a, a less than good actor, James Tien would have been the one who made it to the end of the movie. Wow. I And I'm glad that that behind-the-scenes drama worked out because i feel like yeah that's the it's it's the perfect you know balance Mm -hmm. i also like that i'm jumping way ahead here but that penultimate confrontation where he's fighting all the people in the barn yeah um and then they go outside there's a scene i rewound it to watch it because i couldn't believe that i was seeing what i was seeing but he punches a guy through the barn door and it makes that warner brothers cartoon cut out shape in the wall yes i'm like I, this is not a comedy, but it's using sort of the language of that comedy to draw attention to how cool and how crazy that punch is of him putting that guy through the barn wall. It's instantly one of my most memorable scenes in a movie. I just watched it this morning. 
Oh, oh, I love that. I, I, the minute I cut, I like you see him punch him, and then they cut to a wide shot, and he's walking up to fight some more guys. Yeah, you see the silhouette in the background. You don't see it right away when he first punches him. You see it in the background as he's walking away. It's and, such and, a subtle payoff. It is with mm-hmm. with how unsubtle that is. Yeah, <laughs> they don't draw a lot of attention to it, and that's what makes it so fucking great. It, it, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, other trivia tidbits that they had from uh, I am if you folks will uh, indulge me. Apparently, the Thai brothel, which is where uh, our man Chen wakes up after he is drunk and he, he's with the prostitute. So apparently it was an actual functioning brothel. All right. <laughs> that uh, a Thai brothel uh, that they actually filmed in the extras in all the scenes except for uh, Malalina's uh, character were actual prostitutes who were paid by Golden Harvest uh, than they would normally receive in a day by their clients so that they could appear in the film. So, <laughs> so only the actress and Bruce Lee were the paid actors, and everybody else actually worked at that brothel, which was an actual brothel. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and I, I, I remember just being surprised like that there was so much nudity in this movie. Yeah, I that because, surprised like, I don't, me. I don't associate that with Bruce Lee and especially because like they just didn't usually show that type of stuff in, in Hong Kong cinema. Well, just martial arts films in general, you don't yeah. normally see a lot of, you know, unlike Italian horror where if you don't see it you're surprised in 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 uh the martial arts movies you're very surprised if you do see it if you and if you do see it it's usually brief and not necessarily in a love scene which you actually get a love scene here which she a, a, our man Chang's passed out cold right but it, it she's all like oh damn i've got bruce lee in my bed he's all like chiseled and she's like well, I don't care if he is passed out. So she just she just whips the clothes off and goes, "Okay, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna lay in bed here." And then, you know, of course, they do the fade out, um, the classy fade out, the classy fade out. Yes. Help me out here, or something. Um, maybe I think I had like a hangover from Enter the Dragon, where Bruce Lee played a guy who was recruited by the government. He was like an undercover agent to go to this island to break up this, to discover and break up this crime ring. Mm-hmm. When Cheng gets promoted to foreman, and then when he's doing the whole like uh, dinner and getting drunk thing, there was a part of me who was thinking that he was doing that to infiltrate the big boss's business. But from the interpretation I'm getting from you guys, I think it's making more and more sense. He was just kind of like, yeah, the, the, country bumpkin essentially guys like oh cool i got a promotion whereas when i was watching this morning i thought he got that promotion a little bit too quickly and he seemed a little bit too eager i thought he was doing that so he could like get find out who the big boss is like maybe get into his house find out if he knows where these other people are but i guess not huh no i i never actually took it uh like that i just took it that he he was in over his head he didn't know who you know? He had a fully pure intentions of trying to figure out what's happening to his buddies, and he's taking the you know, the manager's word that the boss is going to go to the cops, which boss ain't going to go to the fucking cop. But yeah. you know, he, you know, um, but I think he was trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and just trying to grow along with this, not realizing what he's got himself into, um, 
until it was too I, late. You know, I agree with that interpretation. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I kind of think, and I know I've been gushing over Bruce Lee, I feel like Bruce Lee is wrong to play that kind of character. <laughs> because I, I look at him, just the way that he carries himself throughout mm-hmm. the film, even when he's not talking and he's just like, you can see the thinking, I feel like I'm watching a really intelligent guy who's like six steps ahead of anybody he's dealing with. Right. So this idea of him being like naive well, or in like, it, I don't, I, I can't imagine a world where a Bruce Lee character is quote unquote in over his head or not aware of what's going on. And well, I imagine it's, it could also be, it, it could be a just difference, like a creative difference as well. Um, because like it almost feels like he's playing in his head one character that's different than the character that he was written to play. Yeah. Um, and uh-huh. then actually uh, speaking of creative differences, I don't know if if you can see this comment, Mark, but yep, Ross, uh, Ross yeah. put in the comment. I was just going to bring it up. Yeah, uh, Ross Bigley, who thank you for tuning in live. Uh, thank you tuning in all our live viewers. But uh, Ross Bigley, so glad you could join us and appreciate the comment. He says the hole in the wall punch was part of a creative difference Lee had with the director. He hated it, and Lee was asserting himself more, and that's why it's only seen in the wide shot. The film was so cheaply made, they couldn't really cut it out with more coverage. So, And I've also been thinking, since I saw that, and then knowing all the drama behind the scenes, if some of these scenes that Bruce Lee's in, if maybe they were intended for the other character, because remember, like I said earlier, like they didn't know which character they were going to kill off in this movie. So I'm almost wondering if they're maybe like swapping scenes and they didn't really have a clear image for either character. Bruce Lee is clearly creating a persona, even if that persona is opposite from the character he's supposed (laughs) to be playing, whether or not it's a good, well, obviously it worked because he became a huge fucking star, but it's, it very much feels like based on what I know about Bruce Lee and know about the making of this movie that he's like, he's not afraid to say when he thinks something is stupid. He got fucked around so much in Hollywood. He, he's trying to have some iota of control. I, you know, listening to this just makes me love this movie even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a question, Michael. I, do you, you have a bit of Bruce Lee knowledge here. Uh, is there like a, a definitive like biography or like a because I, I, I'm loving Bruce Lee and I want to know more about his life. I mean, I, I was knocked out by the scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where Brad Pitt handed, you know, kicked Bruce Lee's ass. I understand there was some controversy over that. And I'm starting to get offended for some reason. <laughs> well, I'm like, I don't think that would happen, even if it was like a fantasy sequence or whatever. But yeah, like, is there a definitive source for like? A story of Bruce Lee's life? Uh, it's hard to say because I have seen so many documentaries about him um, over the over the years because I have bought in so many uh, uh, versions of his movies uh, and almost all of them come with documentaries unless you get the new version of Enter the Dragon that Warner Brothers just put out. But if you could pick, find um, any of the Enter the Dragon Blu-rays, um there's usually some good documentaries about him um i'm trying to like find some of the names right now um yeah i remember there being a couple good ones on on there but then also i i not that i'm necessarily shilling for the criterion collection but i if it's still available i would highly recommend the criterion collection um of 
Bruce Lee films they did because each film has special features. And that's actually where I learned some of what I'm talking about today. Um, they, it actually has a great interview um, with uh, Jean LaBelle, who is mm-hmm. a um, former professional wrestler and uh, yeah. uh, martial arts like um, um, expert who trained with Bruce Lee who has a similar story to what happened to once upon a time in Mexico of like, he, um, he tells a story about like Bruce Lee trying to show him a couple things and Gene LaBelle just picking Bruce Lee up. Um, and Bruce Lee saying like, uh, put me down or I'll, or I'll kick your ass. And him saying, well, if I put you down, you're going to kick my ass. <laughs> um, so, um, and there's a lot of great, each film has this, a lot, like Bruce Lee historians on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's actually a great documentary on there about Bruce exploitation as well. So um, my, what I would say to do is pick up the Enter the Dragon Blu-ray. If you can find it, you can find it. It's probably readily available for like 10 bucks or just pick up the Criterion Collection and get some of those special features because that's I, I just I've always found uh, him to be a fascinating figure and I will just watch anything I can find on him. And, you know, you see some of those stories and, and especially when Once Upon a Time from Hollywood came out about, you know, that scene with Bruce Lee uh, and you sit there and always makes me wonder with these with stories like this where they were saying no that's not how he was and then other people saying well kind of i'm like there's usually a middle of the road so i i always feel like there's maybe a little truth with the story to where he is on both sides i mean if you if you look at him as a martial artist and, and as an artist in general you could tell and he was a perfectionist i mean it's just like fred astaire you know, Fred Astaire on camera, or whatever, very charismatic, smiley guy or whatever. Apparently, when it came to his dance choreography, he was a bastard to people. Like, they had to get it, like, right on, um, you know, uh, for certain things. And I imagine maybe that is the way it was with Bruce Lee, at least with, like, his fighting and that, that maybe he may have been more stern with people than than what people... Yeah would like you know and and it's just because of the type of artist he he was yeah and it's so. it's also hard to say too by the way um i, I found the name of the documentary i was thinking mm. of it's called a warrior's journey mm. that's on the um um enter the dragon blu-ray um but it's it's hard to say for sure because like i imagine he had different personas around different people like Let's be, I guess I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if he had an ego about himself. I don't know if he did. Um, but at the same time, I can also see him being very humble. Unfortunately, like, unfortunately, we don't know what he was truly like. We only have uh, the reflections of other people. And while that's that can be very telling, the way that he is, say, in front of his students, like Steve McQueen and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, might be very different than he is with his wife behind closed doors. Right. You know, so I don't know what he's like, but I, that's why I think that's what makes him so fascinating is that he there are so many contradictory opinions about what he was like. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, pretty much everything says he's a good guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, you look like look at a movie like the big boss and you see the character he's playing in that and, and what he's doing. Um is just amazing that the, the fight scenes and that 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 he's doing and the talent that's there, you know, you're just drawn to his personality. And 
to have a big personality like that, I think, you know, may come with, with either a, a certain attitude or whatnot that may be off-putting to people, some people, you know, uh, just the way he is. But on screen, I... Well, and I, I also imagine some of that has to be like, he's, you know, the whole point of his fighting style that he helped develop, Jeet Kune Do, was fighting at its purest form and to cut out all the the extra stuff that's not needed and you right. can even see that in the way he choreographs his fight scenes you know the way that um james tn fights with a lot of posturing and usually it's like one person after another all jumping in and mm-hmm. um it's it's very dance like whereas bruce lee he only has you know a couple kicks and punches but he finishes his stuff fast yeah like it <laughs> well, uh it, he, he was trying to th- figure out how to do these fight scenes and fighting in general and just cut it down to brass tacks mm-hmm. what do you yeah, mean? I mean well when he's when he's fighting the big boss at the end i mean Forget about the finishing move, which is one of the most spectacular bits I've ever seen with the with the kick the knife with the knife. The knife flies into the air. He kicks it and it goes and rockets right into the guy's stomach. Oh, and they did. Did oh he good. do like was that was he was he ripping like he was digging his his claws into the guy's chest? Yeah. Or yeah. Something? His it looked fingers, like the ultimate titty twister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. His oh, fingers, yeah. his fingers, because he didn't have a weapon. Hence your fist of fury. He took his fist and he was. And he just shoved his fingers into his lungs, basically. Right. And you saw the blood coming out of the bag yeah. and everything. But in that, in the fighting, as they were kind of sparring with each other, I love that some of the, the wide shots where they're sort of like sussing each other out and they mm-hmm. like make a couple of quick strides forward and then back, almost like the imagined scorpions fighting or dogs when they're, you know, not quite ready to pounce. Um, but yeah, there was something very like primal uh in the way that they were doing it and i yeah i felt like they were gonna well they were trying to kill each other but i didn't feel like i was watching as, as you put it michael something like a like a ballet i thought i was watching a couple of you know very well-trained artistic scrappers yeah and it's what's what i love about the way that bruce lee composes his fight sequences is like I said, you know, any other, most of the Kung Fu movies you see or the way, and it's not to say that it's bad. It's just a different way of doing it. Right. You know, there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of just excess movement, which can be fun. It can be exciting. It can be all those things. Don't get me wrong. Um, but like what I love so much about that final fight between Bruce Lee and the big boss is it's a lot of like, it's kind of staring each other down. Mm-hmm. It's trying to figure out, what is it? It's like playing mental chess. It's like, what is this person going to do? If they do this, can I do this? And they have to decide split second. It's not a lot of flips and moving. And it's it's like, okay, I'm only going to have one or two shots and they have to count. So I need to f- kind of get an idea of what he, they're like sizing each other up. And it's like watching a, a duel in a Western. Like, well, who's going to move first and who's going to get the upper hand? It, yeah. It reminded me far more his fight scenes especially in this one with the big boss more like a samurai fight than the normal martial arts flare fight that you see like you're saying um one of my favorite fights of all time and it doesn't last long at all and i'll invoke it is seven samurai 
when you're first introduced to um i forgot his name offhand the 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 quiet one the quiet assassin though where uh, they come upon him dueling with another guy and it's not flashy all it is is they're standing in a field the two of them with their swords raised and then one would change position and the another one would change his position and one would move his foot and the other one, they hadn't touched each other. There's a space in front of them, but it was like you were saying, like the, the, the mental chess going on of, okay, he's in this position. What kind of moves is he going to do? And you do kind of get that here. Like big boss comes out and, and he surprised him with the, the knives at first. So then, uh, you know, Chang changes his approach to how he's fighting the big boss. When he, when, when the knives come out, he's, he does, he changes it up and, he's more calculated and he's more, you know, and then I was surprised at how it ended too, because I mean, I love the kick. I love the kick knife. I was like, how are they going to end this? You know, how, how are they kick knife? And then figured like, and I'm like, okay, didn't expect that. (laughs) But, but then what you don't expect as well is the police show up. Yeah. (laughs) And they arrest the good guy. Because uh, Chow May went to get the cops because she escaped uh, because she was initially going to be given to the boss for God knows what. And she escapes and gets the cops and the cops come and arrest Chang. And I'm like, wait, well, uh, you're not wrong, but I read that ending a little differently. Mm -hmm. I imagine they took him in the custody because they have to like figure out what the fuck happened here. You just murdered someone. But I took that ending is less that he's being arrested mm-hmm. like and more so he's choosing to go oh yeah because he took he, you yeah. know he he went against this this vow that he had right to the point that he took another person's life and things escalated to a point that i don't know if he necessarily felt comfortable with internally so it's almost like this is what i deserve that's the yeah. way that i read it which is, you know, still you keep getting arrested, but you can't arrest a dead guy, Mark. What? <laughs> I, I was Good. honestly, you know, once I saw the way this was going, I was surprised that they didn't just kill him, because yeah. like you get the feeling that the local authorities are just in the big boss's pocket. I mean, he's right. got free reign of that entire town. Um, I understand what you're saying, Mike. I, I gotta think about that one because yeah, there's almost this idea of like a like a greater, almost like a karmic punishment for unleashing the beast but uh, i love that you just i think I, that. Hmm? <laughs> I just love that you just keep saying unleashing the beast because i don't know it's, it's a smile on my face it, it's fitting it, it's what yeah, happens no it's 100 fitting i just it just makes me giggle what makes me giggle and this is apropos of nothing but there's something in in the the universe is trying to tell me something because this is the third movie i've watched in the last like three months that involve um, like ice manufacturing and ice houses. I watched The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford. Okay. I watched East of Eden with James Dean. And I watched this movie. And the central like conceit of these is like there's manufacturing of giant ice blocks. I'd never seen that in a movie before. And now I've seen it three times in three <laughs> months. What's going on here? I think it's time. I think it's time for a profession change. Yeah, you need to go start <laughs> making some ice. Yeah, not uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be a I'll be a, a drug kingpin. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> I kept thinking about that scene from Reservoir Dogs where Harvey Keitel is talking to uh, was Joe or somebody about they were talking about diamonds, but there was that phrase he said, "I didn't nobody, I didn't know nobody who could move ice." And I kept thinking about that watching this movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the ice factory was a surprise. I love how they. Uh... How they hid the bodies in the ice too, and you didn't know at first until they, 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 they went to the ice house. And then, yeah, it's it's yeah. Be careful uh, buying ice from this this group, at least. And uh, Ross got even some more tidbits of info. Uh, our character Chang, uh, Bruce Lee's character, was arrested because in Hong Kong films at the time, censorship guidelines can't have someone who kills not get held accountable. Oh, interesting. It, it was only a couple of years later that those guidelines ended. So, you know, whether or not afterwards, you know, I always love kind of imagining sometimes some of these films, what happens in the, you know, after the credits or what's happening in this world. Um, yeah, maybe he does let go. But on screen anyway, last time we see he's getting arrested. And wow, that's because of censorship. And I think it works, though. <laughs> you know, they work it into the story to where it works to leave it kind of like. Well, wait, is he going to get arrested? Will he confess everything and then let go? I mean, because I imagine once he shows the ice house blocks have drugs in them, the cops and people and people, they'll go, oh, oh, yeah. Well, but but think about it this way. Going back to the slasher movie analogy, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like when the cops show up, you know, to Crystal Lake after Jason's gone on a rampage. Imagine if Jason hadn't been killed by a counselor. He was just like there like one of the counselors said hey someone's there's a whole bunch of dead bodies at the location and there's one guy left standing the cops show up there's bodies everywhere (laughs) and there's one guy with blood all over him and wounds they take him into custody yeah yeah so i mean i i I like that he did though um I, i liked they didn't like do a freeze frame because you know after he kills the guy, you know, that 70s, wonderful 70s freeze frame, like, okay, we're ending it now. That's it. That's just, it just ends, you know. I miss freeze frames. <laughs> I but I, I got my fill of snap zooms. Oh, yeah. There's, there's snap zooms. I love snap zooms. And uh, Mark, when, when, when you do uh, eventually get to see my film, No Soliciting, I have three snap zooms. <laughs> well, three zooms. Only one of them is technically a snap zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love them. <laughs> oh, they're great. They're they're so effective. You um, know, for some reason, and there's no reason for this thought process whatsoever, but my brain's just tangenting right now. Where I was thinking, it's like, oh, what would happen to Bruce? Like, what would Bruce Lee be doing? Like his character be doing in prison? And I was like, oh, he'd probably just be sitting there silent and probably not do anything. But yeah. it's like that would be boring. What if instead it was like Terminator and he just kung fu's the shit out of everyone? Remember the remember the remember the police officer like the the police station scene in the first Terminator. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine oh, that, yeah. but of kung fu. <laughs> His character no. wouldn't do that, but I've been sitting here thinking, man, no, that'd but, be a fucking, but that'd but, be a cool fight scene. <laughs> no, but but I could easily see the sequel to the big ball. And now we're just off on a tangent, folks. I apologize, but this I'm just this would be fascinating to have Chang. He is arrested, put into jail, and then you have folks who were loyal to the big boss that he killed keep trying to start shit with him in jail. And so now you've got this guy in prison jail to where he, he's just beating the crap out of people in prison all the time. Um, or, or those check same- him in the shower and you do a Kung Fu version of maniac cop. There, there you, you go. go. No, or, or those people that, you know, who he, he helped at the, uh, 
the ice factory, help him escape. And then he creates like an apocalypse now style, like cult in the middle of the woods. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be priests. He'd be be teaching them the way of, you know, the uh, way of water, the way of water. It'd be, it'd be, it's the whole on Bach thing. We just taught you how to kill someone in eight different ways through my tie. Now don't use it. Okay. Go off into the world now. Wait, what? What what tell you yeah it's like here it's like well i made the promise i i could kick everyone's ass right now and protect everyone but i made this promise so i'm just gonna you know i'm just gonna chill yeah it's about restraint it's about restraint. yes because you know how to kill someone with your finger doesn't mean you should well no i'm not saying you should go around killing everybody but i mean still if anyone could do it if anyone could do it mr knife kick himself it it would be (laughs) It'd be Bruce Lee, who I just I love watching his fights because every move is calculated. They don't get old. Those fights don't don't get old, even when sometimes the movie is not necessarily working at all times. As soon as like he starts kicking someone, or even just moving, like just the way that he moves his body throughout scenes, I'm like, you're fascinating. You have such a control of your he. Like I said, he he he's not. By the time he does the big boss, he's no stranger to acting. Right. But he does. He hadn't had the persona at mm-hmm. that point. Like, if you were to see this movie, and it's, I think it's almost shocking that this is the first Bruce Lee movie mm-hmm. because he's so comfortable as this person mm-hmm. on screen. <clears throat> I mean, that probably goes back to his expectation for himself you know yeah he's like maybe he maybe he understood if he didn't understand this was going to be his big crossover movie maybe he really wanted it so he wanted to just like put everything out there especially if you're saying as you're saying michael there was all this behind the scenes stuff where he has to just you know turn on the charisma like bring all of his skills to uh, before I make uh, turn in a memorable performance otherwise he's gonna <laughs> end up getting dying halfway through the picture um yeah, yeah all of and that. if that would have happened you know we probably wouldn't have. He might have made a couple more movies, but I don't. Bruce Lee wouldn't be a superstar. Well, it also makes me think about like adversity. If this had just been a regular movie and he was brought on to play, you know, the the Sue character who didn't make it or whatever, or maybe he was the character that that lived. I don't know. I just I feel like there's all these great Hollywood stories about the thing that the the unknown x factor that came in and was like the darkest hour for everybody that they had to overcome in order to make this piece of art <laughs> and cinema was kind of forever changed because of the circumstance that no one could have predicted had this been an easier shoot or like a conventional shoot like you're saying you know we might not have had bruce lee as we know well, him today and, and i think one thing that could be part of it too is he's no stranger to superstardom not right. in the fact that he was one but at the time, to make money in 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 when he was living in America, he was training kung fu to celebrities. Mm-hmm. Some of the people he trained were Steve McQueen and James Coburn and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. These these larger than life personalities. So I'm sure just hanging out with these people who are larger than life, he probably picked some stuff up about like what I need to do mm-hmm. to get on their level. Because I can't imagine you 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 hang out with if, if you're hanging out with Steve McQueen long enough, you didn't pick something up. There's, there's something wrong. Because <laughs> that guy just oozes cool. He does just yeah. ooze cool. 
there's actually a number of deleted scenes, apparently. First off, uh, you're right about the gore. To j- jump back for just a yeah, minute. Yeah, unexpected. I, I, unexpected. There, the, when the guys first off those two, the two cousins, it, with the saw in the yeah. ice in the ice shop. I'm like, they stretch it. I'm like, wait, are they going to? And then I expected them to like cut away like normal, you know. But no, they they blood and they chopped. Someone had been watching like in Her- a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie before they made this. <laughs> they did they did. just get blood feast over in Hong Kong at this time? Right? Color me blood red or something? <laughs> yeah. Like it's like wow. I did not expect the way some of these folks died and showed on camera. I yeah, and it wasn't just like for, for people out there who, who are watching this and haven't seen the movie yet. It's not just like a little bit of blood coming out their mouth. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's no, don't. It's not like Kill Bill geysers of blood, but it's still pretty gory for 1971. Dude takes a saw to the head. There's a guy yeah. who takes a saw to the head for crying out loud. <laughs> doesn't like doesn't doesn't uh, the big boss's son like take an axe to the back and then he falls yeah. onto it? Yeah. Yeah, or there's a one guy, I think, I forgot who it was. I think maybe it was, uh, uh, it wasn't Chang. It was it was our uh, uh, Sue, I think, maybe. But he headbutts one guy, and then all of a sudden, all this blood just starts coming down yeah. the side of the guy's face. It's like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's realistic. I will say. A headbutt would go, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I this is something else I had never seen before but the final fight between chang and the big boss's son Mm -hmm. chang i I don't know how to describe it except he punch bitch slapped him yeah it was a it was a punch but it was also like a like a yeah like like, yeah like he turned his fist into a giant club and just (laughs) it was amazing It, it was i i did not expect that at all um but yeah i mean there's but with the deleted seeds, there's a lot of uh, more graphic scene, I guess, with the two cousins with the large circular saw uh, is even more graphic than that. Um, there was a longer scene between Sue and Su Chung featuring a shot of Sue with blood literally squirting out of his head due to a knife attack. <laughs> uh, they also had a scene, apparently, that before he goes fighting, he goes back to the brothel. He picks another uh, woman who was in a red sweater, who was actually in the, the one of the earlier scenes, and they strip down and and you know they uh, complete the transaction, and then he puts all of his money on her belly while she's sleeping, the rest of his money that he has, and he grabs the bag of prawn chips that are on her counter, which is why he has chips. When he comes out of the taxi, apparently, is is that that's where he got those from. And then, of course, uh, you know, we get you look at this movie and you and I know he was, you know, pretty he was big and and he was in other films. But there are so many things in this film that you end up seeing replicated in other martial arts films going forward after this movie uh including the blood tasting we get the infamous bruce lee <laughs> blood tasting and i'm just like oh my god there it is <laughs> yeah he's like he's like he, he is like i said like i said earlier it's like he's playing in his mind a different role than what's yeah. written there because it feels like he's like it's almost like ah, this movie is not 
the best, but it's going to build to something. Yeah, I'm just he, I'm going to play this building blocks yeah. there for whatever comes next. You know, I'm going to try this and this. It's like he's almost using it to feel out how he's going to go forward with some of his approach to yeah, and later screen like a, fights like, and characters. Yeah, or, like, or almost like a, you know, I've done it their way enough. I'm going to try to sneak in as much as my, of my shit as I can to see if it works. Yeah. And and I think it does. This is a yeah. this is a fun movie. It's crazy. There, there. I mean, Honestly, talking about it has raised my just like how much I liked it up even more. It, it's like I said, a, I've been trying to figure it out this entire time. It's not a detailed, <laughs> but it does have a linear story. There are there are components to it. There is a storyline throughout. It's not as fight heavy as you might think, considering it is a Bruce Lee film. Um, there are fight scenes in here, but uh, yeah, I. I dig it. And uh, final thought, Ian, with with the big boss. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I think for <laughs> if there are fans of kung fu who don't like horror and fans of horror who don't like kung fu or think that they don't, this is a great I think meeting in the middle because <laughs> it's <laughs> such a it's such a strange movie that has all this different like visual language in it. Plus these you know beautiful Bruce Lee fight scenes and that wonderful ending. Whether or not we can figure out what happened after he got taken into custody or let himself get taken into custody. It is a shocking thing because nowadays conventional, you know, film storytelling is you've got the corrupt guy who's in charge of all the cops. Uh, You've got the good guy who goes up against the system and the cops show up at the end after the big boss is felled and it's like, Oh yeah, this guy was corrupt and I took care of all these you know, criminals and they were running drugs and all this other stuff. And the cops are like, Oh, you know, thank you for, for solving this problem. <laughs> You're the hero. Like, no, you just wiped out our boss and all of his henchmen. So uh, we got to take you downtown and figure this out. Like it's really yeah. it's, chilling. Yeah, it's not and, a happy ending. It, it no. has all of this setup for the happy ending, but then it's just like, pans out like oh wait we're done what the fuck? <laughs> it's almost like so i i talked about it before but like like a day or so before i watched this i it, unrelated in every way i had just watched roman holiday hmm. and if, if people out there haven't seen that that movie ends in such a way where they're building up to what we think is going to happen and then that doesn't happen mm-hmm. and it's almost refreshing in both this and that movie we're like, oh, it's just a small twist on my expectations, you know, because like it could have just ended with him and 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 his cousin walking off into the sunset, camera, mm-hmm. you know, panning yeah. up. But instead, it's that ending. But he's got handcuffs on instead. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and and you had that actually through a lot of the seventies movies, if you think of a lot of your gritty New York crime films in that you'd have our cop or whatever who, you know, he busted out of jail because they, they were going to bust him, whatever for the corrupt cops that arrested him or whatever. He goes out, annihilates a bunch of people, annihilates some corrupt police chief. And then he's standing there. Cops are showing up and you get the wide shot in the back music credits. And you're like, wait, Wait, did he get arrested? I mean, he killed the bad guy, but but is he going to, you know, and, and you had a number of those films, if you think back to it, to where they leave that ending a little more enigma to where nowadays it's like, you know, Beverly Hills cop ending to where it's like, 
<laughs> you know, you you know he got away with it, or you know that everything is okay. Uh, you know, they they end up one liner, and then that. So I mean, it's interesting in the seventies, and this is early seventies, obviously, but still that that way you end it with an enigma of what did exactly happen to the guy you're supposed to be rooting for. Um, well, and going back to that point about the the kind of the adversity that has nothing to do with the film itself, yeah. But the climate in which it was made, to Ross Bigley's mm-hmm. point, if they had not had that restriction about like we have to show the good guy getting arrested, then we probably would have wound up with something more uh, conventional. You know, mm-hmm. the the yeah, people walking be, off yeah. in the sunset and it's yeah. kind of happy, but because of it, this restriction which you know maybe at the time they're like oh we gotta tack this on or whatever yeah us watching this movie you know 40 plus years later or 50 i can't do math right now because i'm tired but we're like wow this is a badass ending <laughs> whereas yeah. the people making and it might have been like oh this is compromised we don't want to do yeah this. so like, we gotta do it this it, way that was probably conventional then yeah because yeah. it's what they mm. had to do so it's interesting how time changes things like you mm-hmm. said like that's a cool ending now, but it was probably like, oh God, we have why do we have to end it this way again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike, your final thought with with the big boss. Um, like I said, like I, I I've been sitting here trying to like really put together my like when I started the sh- the show, I've been trying to put together my thoughts. I knew I liked it, but in which degree, but just as we've been talking, like I just started liking it more and more. And I definitely think it's a movie that the more the more I see it, it's just gonna just really raise up for me um and um yeah like i said i i'm excited to, to see it in the original language mm-hmm. and i and if i can give you a piece of advice ian as you're exploring the world of bruce lee when you uh eventually get to um the first bruce lee movie that i ever saw way of the dragon mm. um that's an interesting one and one that you should do everything in your power to watch the subtitled version because there's a so that movie actually takes place in rome mm-hmm. um and you get to you get to finally fit uh, uh uh see what happens when bruce lee fights chuck, chuck norris. norris yeah, yeah. In, in the coliseum um oh. but yeah in way of the dragon there's a whole subplot about how he does not <clears throat> speak the same language as um some of the people in charge there um so he has to like be threatening in a more uh using his body but whenever it's dubbed all in english and everyone's speaking english they all just seem like idiots because <laughs> he's saying something to him and then be like oh what's he saying i don't know and he's just speaking in english and he just, like, <laughs> postures and it's really strange like even watching it like when i was a kid i'm like when i didn't know like understand movies i'm like that's a weird choice find out later on obviously like oh that's not the intention right it's supposed to be that he's speaking one language bruce lee's speaking another and they can't communicate with each other Uh, i'll have to check that out i've written it down yeah so if you get if you if you have the capability and if you do pick up that criterion collection you'll have that capability watch it um uh um subtitled if you can nice yeah. always i would always highly recommend especially my, my personal rule is i go based on whatever the native language is of mm-hmm. the lead character right the reason i make that distinction is because there's a lot of italian horror films where they cast american actors playing americans so it's <laughs> like well you know that makes sense then to listen to it with a dubbed track because he this character is american <laughs> right 
So that's my personal rule. Whatever the whatever the native speaking language is of the lead character. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's I'm gonna good, steal that. That's a good go look, good 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 guideline. Yeah, it? like for example, like uh, Dario Argento's first uh, first movie, Bird of the Crystal Plumage. His lead mm. character is American vacationing in Rome. Right. So it makes sense to watch it in English. Yes. Uh, excellent advice, Mr. Myers. Thank you so much. Uh, and yeah, for me, I I dug this film quite a bit. Uh, I love watching early works like this because you can see the start of what the mm-hmm. performer would develop later on as their style, kind of some of their signature stuff and seeing who rips them off. I mean, yeah. we had the same thing when we did the eight weeks of Alfred Hitchcock. We did eight weeks of Alfred Hitchcock here on the podcast. Check it out, folks, on our channel. Uh, scroll way back. Uh, it's in our hundreds, uh, the episode. But uh, we did eight weeks of Hitchcock, and I tried to cover Hitchcock films we had not watched before. And you watch those films too, and you can see not only a style of Hitchcock come through all of his films, uh, and it happened even when we watched The Vanishing Lady. Um, you can see early stuff, you know, to some of his nuances in that uh, come through. But you know, you can also see what people borrowed from, and if you watch The Big Boss, you're going to see a lot of things in here that you realize martial arts films would borrow from. For ages, <laughs> even still maybe today a little bit, but definitely when the martial arts films started to make their craze in the U.S., um, you know, and the films, they're more and more prevalent. You can see the influences that especially Bruce Lee had on martial arts films and how to approach them as far as your characters go. Uh, and you can see that early's in in the big boss. So there you have it, folks. Thank you so much to Ross Bigley for wonderful bits of trivia much appreciate you tuning in all of our live uh viewers thank you so much and now as always this is where i give my viewer my my wonderful guests the panel here who are so kind enough to come on our show uh the license to shill so michael please uh shill away floor is yours sir um so you can find me and all of my ramblings at uh the shameless picture show which is the podcast that i've been doing for seven years um just recently did an episode with uh a local uh tromet and burlesque artist katie cadaver we we did the joe diamato film um beyond the darkness Uh, and then the next episode coming out will be uh, once upon time in america with christopher kaihouse of the twist juice film festival um, and you can find my podcast everywhere podcasts are from, um, or you can everywhere podcasts to listen to whatever, or on, uh, the Cinepunks website, which is our, um, our host at C I N E P U N X. Uh, I've also got a lot of screenings coming up for my short film, no soliciting, but I'll keep it short and just say, come out to Ross Bigley's, uh, Milwaukee short film festival. It's starting, uh, September 8th and it's going to be September 8th and 9th, but I'm playing September 9th in the fifth block. So you should come out to that one. <laughs> there you go. And Ian Simmons, please, sir, a license to shill. Um, well, I'm Ian Simmons of kicking the seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. Um, primarily I'm on YouTube these days. So just look up kicking the seat on YouTube, uh, do, interviews and movie reviews and roundtables and stuff, including this Wednesday, going to be doing a live stream at 8 p.m. Central, uh, a new, hopefully, series kicking off um, called If You Like, You'll Love. And we're inaugurating the series with If You Like The Last Starfighter, You'll Love Gran Turismo. So we'll see how that conversation goes. Um, and that'll be oh, on YouTube at 8 o'clock. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was our uh, friend and colleague Jeff York came up with it over a breakfast, um, <laughs> and so we're we're testing it out. So it should be a lot of fun, and um, yeah, come join us. Awesome, awesome stuff. Please check out other stuffs, folks. And if you don't make it to Russ Bigley's short film festival to catch Mike Vire's short film, which I have seen, uh, October. October 13th and 14th, Oshkosh. We have the Sawdust City Fright Fest. Yes, you will be hearing me plug this, folks, because uh, we got a great couple days of indie horror as well as uh, Friday the 13th, Friday night. We're playing a short film, and then we're playing Friday the 13th. I think it is uh, part two is what they're playing there. Uh, And then the next day, we've got a whole lineup, mostly of Midwest, but not all, but mostly Midwest or Wisconsin-produced horror because that's our focus is we want to bring focus to our wonderful state and the wonderful film community, not only here, but in the Midwest that is farthest from it probably could be from Hollywood, but it doesn't mean it isn't Hollywood-like. And so, yes, Mr. Vyer's uh, movie will be playing at the Sawdust City Fright Fest along with some wonderful uh, features. We've got the headmistress playing, which is uh, uh, produced here in Wisconsin. Actually, it was shot in some of my old stomping grounds. Check out my interview with the directors I did with them back in, in the springtime. And also Fang, a film produced uh, and made by an individual from Chicago, where uh, south of the border, if you will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and it's a wonderful film starring Lynn Lowry in an interesting role. She kills it in that movie, as well as a whole bunch of other shorts, including Mike Byers. So 13th and 14th, Sawdust City Fright Fest. Hey, what better way to spend your October than watching some indie horror? And what better way than to listen into more podcasts? Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in and checking out our little sliver of the internet. Just to let you know, next month, I do have a theme, but it's not cannibal theme. Ha ha! Ha! It would be easy to do a theme around the Green Infernal as cannibals. That's just, that's too easy. Little do I make things easy, usually for myself. So it'll be uh, Flaming Fall. And Flaming Fall, we are covering four films, four films with the word Inferno in them. But not Inferno, because we already did a Hot Van Damme uh, special with Inferno, a.k.a. <laughs> desert, desert Heat. But well, what about Argento's Inferno? Exactly. That is one of them that is on the list. Argento's Inferno is on yeah. the list, uh, as well as The Green Inferno and a couple others, which you'll be able to check out the lineup later this week on specialmarkproductions.com for what movies we will be covering in September. So thank you so much, folks. And now uh, we'll just say a good night, everyone. Good night. Night. There wasn't a whole lot of that. I missed. I missed the days of punches sounding like whip cracks. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, I always used to love the sound effect. I always loved the sound effects in those older uh, martial arts films when they would just punch the air and it would make a noise, but not every time they punch the air. And then you know the audio synchronization might be off a little too depending on your dubbing or whatever so it'd be like and you're just like wait which which punch is making glorious it's glorious it is and what's glorious is thank you so much gentlemen both of you for joining me as always i very much appreciate it also mark i don't Um, think it's the dubbing that's off i think he's just so fast the cameras can't catch him and the sound effect (laughs) 
it's coming afterwards. It's like thunder and lightning. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's like thunder and lightning. You won't even hear it until after you feel it. Is that a tagline for a movie? Because it should be. That should Uh, be. I just made that up. But now now write that down. That's a great tagline for a movie. You you write a whole movie around a tagline. (laughs) Why not? Hollywood does it all the time. Hey, Roger Corbin, that's it used to be his business. Tagline (laughs) and a poster. There you go. (laughs) That's the canon way, right? You come up with the promo poster first and who's going to be in it then you sell the rights to it then you go ask the actor if they want to be in the movie you just sold the rights to distribute or uh i like the lloyd kaufman way where he'll find a movie that has you know say kevin costner in it with like in the background and then just put him on the poster (laughs) whatever whatever it takes man yeah whatever it takes Hey everyone, looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then head on over to patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions where you can get access to even more wonderful podcast content. Hear the conversation that happens before the live broadcast. You can also get access to an exclusive VIP episode that you vote on that's especially for you or get early access to all our videos on YouTube plus more. So check it out there, folks. And the more you do there, the more we can do here. And remember, with the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, uh, but we do spoil the movies.